Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. I'm Brett Miro. Iron your super spandex on a low setting and drain your bladder, because it's episode 155 of the Fanboy Podcast. You're damn right. Brett, what have you been watching or playing since we last spoke? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, well, just to piggyback on last week's episode, I am still uh, playing and very much enjoying Tales of Arise, which is a uh, anime-ass Japanese RPG. And uh, I'm still playing it. I'm enjoying it. The combat is very fun. Um, it's like an action, real-time combat RPG. Um, and I'm actually enjoying the characters and the relationships, and, and the story is actually pretty interesting. Um, it does. It is a little crazy, and and some of the dialogue is a little cheesy and corny. But there's a certain charm to it, and the voice acting is is pretty good. So uh, I'm I'm still enjoying that very much. I dipped back into Kirby and the Forgotten Land after having not ah, touched you know it for a little bit. My eight year old son beat that in like two weeks. So I hope you're not stuck on anything in that game. No, no. I've just like I've been playing like a few levels, then like I don't touch it for like gotcha. a week, and then like a few. So I'm I think I'm finally in like the last world. But I do I do hear there's like a lot of like post game content, and that there is a lot of like challenging stuff that unlocks after you beat the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. just hearing people talking about that recently again on podcast, bringing that game back up, I was like, I should get back into it and finish it. And uh, it is. It's a very, very fun game. Uh, and then trying to think of anything else I've been really playing. Uh, yeah, that's ma- mainly what I've been doing. Uh, if I watched anything, I did finish Stranger Things. I don't know if you got to finish mm. it yet. I'm um, still uh, stalled okay. out on episode two. So, yeah, I got to catch up big time. So, like, just big, big picture stuff, no spoilers or anything. Uh, I finished season four. Um, I think it might be the, like, maybe the strongest season with the exception of season one or on par with that. Mm-hmm. It, it, pretty much every episode is a fucking banger. And there is one of the most dopest metal moments in that finale <laughs> that you okay, could possibly imagine. Like, it's yeah. so metal. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, it, it had all the feels. All the heartbreaking stuff, all the shocks, all the twists, all the turns. Yeah, you're the second uh, person you to sing the praises of this season to me. Like, I like it's. Uh, I've had it it's kind phenomenal. of put to me that like Stranger Things is one of these things where like at first it's that that cool '80s nostalgia of season one and that Goonies vibe, right? And then two was kind of an extension of that. Yeah. Three. I don't know. Uh, three, yeah, I, three was I, like I, a little. Of, I of hardly a remember three. Of yeah. The seasons, yeah. But then I keep hearing that four, it doesn't like rely on any sort of tricks. It's just really well done. And like the, it's really well done. And the yeah. Plotting and everything. Yeah. Like the effects nice. are awesome. Like the main villain is like, it, it is engaging and intriguing. And they finally really started like this season giving you a lot of like answers to things. Uh, yeah. which was awesome. And I think nice. it served well. Like they, they kind of split, you know, the cast up into these different pairings and there's like kind of like three groups you're like following. There's a lot of characters <laughs> that you're kind of yeah. tracking and following throughout the season. And I guess it made it uh, for that, like made it more engaging because you were never like stuck on one thing for too long. And then you were zipped off to some other crazy issue that the other squad was having. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all that worked great. And they, they finished strong. Awesome. You know, uh, you know, season finale. So, uh, and, and like, I just love this season. They really turned up the horror. Um, like this is more of like a, it's like a long, like horror show that it's a little less Goonies, more horror. And, uh, I love yeah. that. Um, and the, the sci-fi stuff is and just meanwhile, the roof. as, as a parent, my reaction is a little different, Brett, because you see, uh, about six months ago, we introduced my 11 year old daughter to stranger things because those first three seasons while they had their creepy moments, it was right. a it, it was a level of creepy and scary that we knew she could handle. And we ended up being right about that. But then right away, when friends of ours, adult friends of ours started seeing Stranger Things, they were like, you may want to watch this before you let her yeah. watch it. And uh, my wife and I are quite happy we did because within the first yeah, a little intense. few minutes <laughs> of the first episode, it's like, oh, no, this is a different show like it just feels like the yeah. the target audience has to have aged up quite a bit right uh, so yeah that's uh just it's funny so I, I feel like you're very happy that it's horror for me it's it's forced me to have to break my daughter's heart to be like yeah mommy and daddy can enjoy stranger things season four yeah. but you're gonna have to wait like three or four years so good yeah. luck it's a yeah. little disturbing right. in some parts but uh yeah overall that's like my quick little stranger things review i don't know if gotcha. i had talked about it 
last week. I guess yeah. not. I think I just finished it like two days ago. So yeah, perfect. Yeah. What have you been up to? You've been, you've been, uh, we've missed you. So what's yeah, going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't had a ton of time for watching because last week I spent the entire week in the state of Pennsylvania traversing various amusement parks because that's how we roll. We had a day at Hershey Park. <laughs> we had a day at Dorney Park. We, you know, I, I made the most out of the, uh, the kickoff of summer. We surprised nice. my kids on the last day of school with, hey, we're taking a road trip with your cousins to Pennsylvania to go to not one but two amusement parks. And uh, shockingly, that went over really well. That's so we awesome. had a good week. It was kind of part of like my birthday and the beginning of summer and celebrating my daughter's uh, graduating elementary school. So there was just a lot to celebrate, not a lot of time to watch anything. But in terms of gaming, uh, we as a family, as a Robles family, have begun a file on the remaster of Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Remember I told you that that was coming uh, up. Yes. Now that yes. we beat Link's Awakening, now we're ready. So we've begun that adventure as a unit, and it's pretty cool kind of bringing them into that whole Zelda experience. Sure. And um, then beyond that, I was surprised to find that my PlayStation Now, or is it PlayStation Plus? I forget. I know they merged, whatever they're calling it now. It's like there's three tiers now to PlayStation Plus, and it's like, yeah, it's a weird. <laughs> yeah, whatever it's called. You get like I a little free shocked. upgrade. Yeah. yeah. I was shocked a week ago when they announced that they were going to have that they have now available Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Spider-Man Miles Morales for free mm -hmm. if you have the membership. So I downloaded those two and I started Valhalla a couple nights ago because nice. I only recently discovered that Assassin's Creed is kind of amazing. So, uh, so yeah, so I've begun Valhalla. Miles Morales is right around the corner and I've begun Skyward Sword, but that's kind of it for my gaming for now. And in fact, actually... You know what I've been playing a lot of? Remember when you interviewed the developer, the designer for 80s Mania Wrestling on the Play yes. It Podcast? And yeah. when you guys did that, I'm like, hmm, I should check that game out. So I've been playing the sequel to that, Modern Mania Wrestling on my phone, like <laughs> incessantly. So uh, yeah, kind of a callback to the play at Loudcast, but yeah, those uh, online, yeah. those yeah, those wrestling GM games for, on my phone uh, get a lot of play. I enjoy that yeah. quite a bit. But uh, yeah, so that's what I've been watching. That's what I've been playing. And I, I did get a chance to check out the Superman and Lois finale, which I know you spoke about last week. And I heard your thoughts on that. And I just have a little more I want to pepper on top of it as a Superman yeah, please. fanatic. So we'll, we'll do that at the end of the episode. But uh, yeah, that's about the only thing other than playing those couple of games that I've had to do in front of a TV in a while is just enjoy me some Superman and Loisness. So um, on that note... Why don't we kick things off as we are often want to do with your Superman on film update for July 8th, 2022. Yes. So this is actually a rumor that had I been around to record with you last week, I would have had us talk about last week. But we're going to do it now. I know you spoke about the one thing, the, the rumor regarding Ta-Nehisi Coates' script. Kind of, right. you know, the, the, apparently there's a rumor that the studio would like it re rewritten to be more in a modern context and have a more traditional Clark Kent at its center. Uh, yeah. Yes, that rumor was floating around. But there was another one that caught my attention last week from a source called Giant Freaking Robot, which that's why I'm not entirely sure, you know, how much stock to put in it right but yeah giant freaking robot released an exclusive rumor uh regarding the black adam movie and how that connects to our superman on film update is according to giant freaking robot black adam will include a post-credit sequence that involves amanda waller warning black adam Oh, no, warning a silhouetted Superman that she now knows someone who could stand up to him, essentially. Kind of teasing that Superman now, like, there's a new enemy in town. Obviously, it's Black Adam. But so that's like the rumor that at the end of Black Adam, we see Amanda Waller speaking to a figure of Superman. But again, you don't see his freaking face, which we're going to get to in a second. And uh, apparently she's letting him know that like now I've 
I've come into contact with someone who could probably kick your ass. And that's supposedly <laughs> meant to get the fans very excited, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, and I feel like one of the things that added some validity to it perhaps was uh, The Rock and some tweet about listening to the fans and how much the fans apparently want to see that battle. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what becomes of that. We're not that far from October. Right. We're in July. Right, we are yeah. just a little over three months away from Black Adam arriving. So I guess we'll find out if there's anything to that rumor. But before I give my sort of opinion on that, Brett, how would you feel if you're watching Black Adam, the credits start, then there's one of these post credit things. And you have Amanda Waller speaking to and you could tell it's Superman. Maybe they're showing cape. Maybe they're showing, you know, some sort of iconography associated right. with him. But you're not seeing his face. So it's headless uh, Superman from the end of Shazam again, basically. Yes, yes, yes. So I guess oh. b between the Shazam thing with that head, between the, uh, the Peacemaker thing where he's just a silhouette, here we go with a third time where we're seeing Superman, but not really seeing Superman. So Brett, yeah. I'm just curious, how does that strike you? How does hearing that, how do you think you'd feel if you came across another headless Superman cameo? Like the first time it was cute, and now it's just stupid. Like it's like just <laughs> like don't do this unless you have like a series going or like an actor and like some casting. Like yeah. I, to see another just like headless suit man, it's like it's it does <sighs> it doesn't do anything more than just me hearing on Twitter that you know one day Black Adam will fight Superman. Like that's literally the equivalent of that just in an image, and it's just yeah. like I heard it a thousand times already. Like, let me actually see some progress towards that. So unless it's Henry yeah. Cavill or it's like a new actor, like that's actually yeah. playing it. And I know there's a Superman series, like a movie about to come out on the horizon. I don't, mm. I don't really need it. I feel like you could do something like way more interesting or something or, yeah. or just like more pertaining to Black Adam, you know, just stay in that little Black Adam universe that supposedly they might, you know, The Rock's committed mm -hmm. to while he's changing yeah. the hierarchy of power. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's like, it's just, had they not already done it twice, I'd be more excited. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, because there is something to that. Superman is iconic enough that as a figure, if you see the red cape, bam, you know who it is. You don't need to see the whole thing. So I get it. But when you've done it now three times in a row, it's like, all right, now this is just starting to come off like, you don't know what the hell's going on with Superman, which is the truth. By it's the way. highlighting, like, it's exactly, it's highlighting this, like, glaring problem with DC right now that you don't have a fucking Superman. You don't have yeah. anything really, aside from that, our, our fantastic show that we love, Superman and Lois. You have, yeah. like, nothing Superman going on right now. So it's just, like, it, it. it's almost like drawing more attention to the fact that, like, what the fuck are you doing or do you know what you're doing? Um, and and so, on yeah. that note, to piggyback on that, since it kind of calls attention to the fact that there is not a coherent plan right now, I would love to tell them, don't bother teasing him then until you've got your coherent plan in place. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, don't even bother with the teases. You know, if Black Adam is probably going to make a mint at the box office anyway. You don't need to add the Superman tease. Save that for when you actually have Superman you can show people. Well, I know it's a novel idea, you know, but like, wait till yeah. you actually have a Superman that you could tease by showing his face. How about right. that? So, uh, but yes, that, that your Superman on film date for this week is that it looks like, according to giant freaking robot, giant freaking <laughs> robot. I should, you know what they should have done? They should have named it a giant freaking robot. So you could people yeah. just be like, according to a giant freaking giant robot, robot. <laughs> um, there's going to be this another faceless Superman cameo that we will get to feast our eyes on in a little over three months' time. So um, I'm not too thrilled by that. Doesn't sound like Brett is either. I would no. like to see the fight eventually, I suppose. But uh, I would much rather know that they have a coherent set plan for our Man of Steel as opposed to getting another vague tease of something he might be doing later on. So, uh, all right. So let's see. Where do we go from here, brothers? And we've got a couple of interesting topics. Today. You know what? Let's stay within the DC mold. We did just talk sure. Black Adam. 
which comes out October 21st. But just two months later, on December the 21st, Shazam! Fury of the Gods will be coming out. And we are apparently going to be teased with a... I see, we're going to get another nice good look at this film on july 23rd when shazam comes to san diego comic-con and they just released a teaser for the teaser in anticipation right. of that and uh, i don't know brett do you want to describe the 17 second teaser and all of the amazingness that it reveals yeah it's literally it's just like a couple of shots we've seen already and then like a shot of shazam in the dark saying I'm sorry to be a little bit of a tease or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, it's me. A little tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's me. I'm teasing you. So it was, it was, it was like nothing really. But it was just, it was yeah. just a cute little wink and nod. And then like, yo, wait for San Diego Comic Con. We're gonna show off more of this mm-hmm. movie and, and maybe talk about it a little bit more. Um, yeah. yeah so, so I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, look, what, where though, are you at with this? Yeah. yeah it, when it comes to Shazam at this stage of the game, from what we kind of saw glimpsed at, what was that, CinemaCon? Or the, there was some sort of footage shown. Or was that for uh, was that for the DC, the one that they did, the, the direct one? Was that for Fandom? Yeah, I, I know that we've gotten to see these redesigned suits, and we've gotten a small glimpse by now. And uh, listen... I loved me the first Shazam. I thought yeah. it was a, a, a sleeper good time. I don't think anyone was expecting it to change lives, but I think it ended up being a damn good superhero yeah, story with great heart and, you know, kind of stood out among some, a lot of the other stuff that was coming from DC at the time. So, you know, I'm hyped right now, but uh, I guess I'm going to have to see a little more before I get to that thing where it's like, okay, take my money. You know, I'm not quite at yeah. that stage. Listen, they're going to get my money. Let's be honest. They're going to get it no matter yeah. what. But I'm not at that like, oh, I need this now. Right. Yeah, like I'm seeing uh, this movie. You? Like I'm, I'm yeah. going to see this movie. So like yeah. you got that. But yeah, I can't say that I'm like, oh, wow, I'm counting the days till Shazam Fury of the Gods yeah. comes out. Like, yeah, I need to see a little more like the trailers so far. Like, you know, like you said, we got to see the new suits. We got a little bit of like an idea of like what's going on where, you know, Billy Batson's at. But I need to see a little a little something else um, yeah. before I get like, yeah, real jazz. But like I said, I'm seeing this movie no matter what. And um, I'm expect like my expectations are kind of like, you know, for it to hit on par with the first one, which which I enjoyed. So, yeah. uh, you know, and not you negative. Know, I'm not negative on it either. I, I wonder, though, too, like it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of synergy there is between black adam and shazam because we've caught we, we've talked on this before that like originally right. the original film that dwayne johnson was attached to and was producing and was trying to get off the ground was a film that introduced both characters now they did kind of separate but you got to imagine that there's going to be connective tissue between the two so i'm just curious yeah. what is and it works out that black adam comes out two months in advance and it also apparently is set way before Shazam. So it's kind of in a prime spot to like introduce the character, let everyone know what he's about, and then bring him into the present day and set right. the stage for Shazam too. You know what I mean? Like, and they haven't really spoken too much about it now, but you got to imagine there's going to be some sort of stuff that connects there. So sure. yeah, I'm really interested to see how that how that's going to go. Um, but you, you know what else it? I'm interested in? What you know what else I'm interested in, Brent? I'm interested in the fact that remember a few months back when Spider-Man No Way Home was the big thing and everyone got all excited about Charlie Cox returning as Daredevil yes. and maybe possibly getting his own Daredevil series again or a season four of his show. Well, there is some news about where we're going to be seeing Mr. Cox again as Daredevil. And no, it is not in a continuation of his solo series, but rather in the Hawkeye spinoff Echo. So yes. Uh, yes, it was announced this week or even just earlier today, I believe that Vincent D'Onofrio, who was, is kind of a no brainer at this point because he was involved in the Hawkeye Disney plus series. But I guess the big surprise is that they're also going to have Charlie Cox's daredevil appear on Echo. So how does this news strike you there, Brett? Oh, that's awesome. I mean, you brought D'Onofrio back, and we've been waiting to see what's going on with Charlie Cox, and you, you introduced him. So, yeah, like, what, where is his next appearance? Going to be with Echo? That's awesome. I think that's like a – if I'm not mistaken, they, they do team up in the comics, don't they? And it's kind of cool. You have like a – basically like a deaf superhero and a blind superhero. 
um, yeah. which is kind of cool. And then everyone, we all want D'Onofrio back as Kingpin. So, I mean, there's 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 nothing better than that, really, as far as villains Now, is go. it Donofrio's in Kingpin. any way bittersweet for you that it's not him and his own series? In, in a way, yes, but, like, I'm still not ruling that out, you know? Maybe okay, this is, yeah, like, his true. intro back in. Maybe yeah. they can. Maybe what they can do here is use this as a backdoor pilot because I have a feeling if they do make a Daredevil series, it's not going to be quite the same dark tone that is was hit in the Netflix version. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless they decide to like you know be cool and keep it like they're apparently they're keeping Deadpool rated mm-hmm. R and stuff like that. Deadpool three. Yeah. Maybe they could do that with this and make it more adult. But this might be a way to just say like, okay, this is Daredevil and it's the guy you know, but this one's like you know. The tone here is going to match that. And then that might ease people into a new Daredevil series on Disney Plus. That might be a little pulled back because yeah. now we had him in a pulled back kind of show with Echo or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and they've already established, too, I think that like, and we've seen D'Onofrio's Kingpin that we saw in Hawkeye seems to be a bit different than the one we got in the Daredevil series, too. So uh, yeah. this might be a way to kind of like soften that blow, just like get everyone happy and excited and then be like, okay, we are doing the new series, but it's going to be a little different. But you, you yeah, like it yeah. though, right? You like when you saw him in Echo, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, having D'Onofrio back is everything. I mean, listen, I'm excited for Cox back, but D'Onofrio's kingpin, especially because he's not just a villain for Daredevil. You know, he's been an antagonist for Spider-Man. He's been he's in, a, Marvel he's a famous villain. antagonist yeah, yeah, for Fantastic like, Four. So, like, there's lots of places he could end up after this. So the fact that yeah. Marvel has, like, you know, re-enlisted his services makes me curious about, you know, are we going to see him be the big bad to some other, you know, characters down there? Right. So that's very exciting for, for me. And yeah, Indeed. having Cox back in any sort of facet as Daredevil makes me excited. Although I'd be lying if I didn't say that, like, I was hoping they'd be announcing his own season four, even if it is a little different. But uh, right. I'll take Echo. I will take Echo. Absolutely. Um, I know what else I'm going to take, Brad? An what else would you take? An open world survival Terminator game. Because I'm a big Terminator junkie, yes. and when this when this rumor came out, you know, when this was announced that there's going to be an open world Terminator game, uh, that spoke right to me. Did that speak to you at all? Are yeah, that, that actually guy, sounds man? very cool. I'm a Terminator guy. I like Terminator. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the like the original, like the first two, <laughs> really mainly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Although I, I honestly, I'm, I'm like one of the, I'm one of the, I'm the guy. I'm like the one guy who like Uh-oh. didn't hate salvation. Um, okay. Hey, whatever. Uh, yeah. I still liked aesthetically. I like, cause you like I making like fun of Christian Bale's American accent. That's, the and it's reason. mainly, and it's mainly that I stopped terminators because I am a terminator. Um, so, <laughs> so like, yeah, whatever. I, I, aesthetically, I like that film a lot, whatever. I know that some people were like iffy on the yeah. story. I, I kind of thought it was cool. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they haven't made – so it's funny. Terminator, that franchise, you would think they would have made 50 million fucking licensed games out of this thing already. Yeah. And they really haven't. Like there were, we had like one or two on like, you know, in the 16-bit era. I think we had an arcade yep, game where you had the little like, yep. gun. Um, we've all played them. But then there really wasn't nothing. <laughs> so an open-world survival-based Terminator game could be really, really cool. Um, yes. I think is I'm, – I was just trying to check. I'm actually not sure – who is developing it? Oh no, I do know. It's being developed by Taeon, and they made a another game, actually, a <laughs> Terminator Resistance, which um I don't even know anything about it, so I, I have a feeling it maybe was not that good. Okay. So we'll see, like, yeah, like I, that's what I'm curious. Like, you know, I want to know the nitty-gritty details. Like, this is like a newer game coming to PC and, and the new consoles. Is it being developed with Unreal Engine 5 or like a really good, you know, development engine? You know, Taya, I, I don't really know much on this developer outside of that they made another Terminator game that like crickets. I don't know if anyone's talked about it or heard any buzz about it. So yeah. that's the only thing that kind of makes me go, oh, it might just be like a kind of like a like a B tier, you know, um, you know, yeah. or single A tier survival game, but yeah, a lot of potential. Super freaking cool. Could be like this. Uh, you know, if they're gonna go like this, maybe like survival horror route with it, where you are like scavenging, crafting. You know, gotta watch out for when you know the fucking Terminators start coming out, and yeah. uh, you know, it's like a cool chase system. I see they could pull from like a lot of games that are currently out right now. It's like a you know a mix yeah. of a little uh, 
you know, Far Cry, you mix in a little, uh, maybe even like a little Assassin's Creed, you mix in a little Dying Light, and you might have a, a cool-ass game, but, you know, we'll see what the quality level is. Very have. little ammo, kind of borrowing from Resident Evil, make it actually kind of tough to survive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of, like, games that didn't happen, that should have happened, like, there was a whole Terminator versus Robocop comic book series that I was big on. I think they did make that game now that you said that. See, oh, that's right. But it was, like, like for Genesis or something something like that. It's for Sega Genesis, Terminator versus Robocop. Yeah, Sega Genesis. They need a, a current gen. With yeah. today's technology, a proper Terminator versus RoboCop, I think. Oh, SNES too. It was for both 16-bit consoles. Ah, okay. Um, so yeah, that, that game did come out. That was one of the games that I'm like, I know they made like one or two. So they did yeah, make yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah, there has been, there's been nothing since then. So yeah. kind of crazy. And then it's funny that you bring up oh. our good friend RoboCop. Because, <laughs> might as well roll into this. We're getting a RoboCop first-person shooter, and uh, also today when they announced this Terminator game, different studio, but uh, there happened to also be a gameplay reveal of this new RoboCop game. Uh, huh. First-person shooter, as you'd expect. It looks, you know, very much like the Detroit, you know, the dirty, dark, dank Detroit that we see in the movies. It takes, and it's it's after the Peter Weller RoboCop of the eighties, not the uh, Joel. Yes. What's his name? The, Joel. The um, okay, good. Kenyman, yeah. Kenyman, um, yeah, yeah. So, but the 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 cool thing about this is that Peter Weller is returning to play RoboCop. No, so it's his face, awesome. and he's doing all the voice work. So wow. it is literally the RoboCop. The OG I didn't RoboCop. know that. Um, they showed That's a lot of gameplay epic. today. It looks pretty. It's coming out to I think also PC and the new like PS5, Xbox Series X and S. So the graphics huh. are top notch. Um, also, a kind of a, if I'm not mistaken, a uh, it's called RoboCop Rogue City, and this one is by. Do we have who it's by? Nacon, which again is another studio that I don't know what this company yeah. has made. I don't know <laughs> Nacon, N-A-C-O-N. Um, so you know, for me looking at it, it gave me a cyberpunk vibes. So that game, Cyberpunk 2077, it very mm. much looked like that in a way, a um, little aesthetically, and just the way something yeah. like the gameplay was taking place but you know just to actually see a gameplay trailer was cool so this game's in development you get to see robocop obviously he's a little stronger than the normal guy so it looked not just not only can you shoot but it looks like you'd also like punch people very very hard and make them fly <laughs> and uh do a lot of fun stuff so i also saw uh, I, I got a glimpse of ed 209 uh in the trailer as well and there was like seemed to be like some kind of crazy boss fight and uh yeah it, it, it looks cool i just i just don't know anything about this developer so i don't know yeah how good the quality is going to be. I could see both yeah. these coming out and, you know, either being like, they could either like both be like, you know, five out of tens or like maybe they'll be like a seven, seven and a half out of 10. I'm not yeah. expecting like nines or, or 10, you know, to your games out of here. Yeah. I got we'll you. See. Now kind of a tangent, but I'm curious, how old were you when you saw the first RoboCop? I have a question. Oh God. The first one came out probably what? Uh, 87. So I was like a year yeah. old when the first one came out. I mean, I had to have seen it like early nineties. So I was probably like, probably too young to should be having to have been watching it, yeah, yeah, but it yeah, was yeah. probably something. Let me ask you, was like, the, was the murder of the cop, you know, of Peter, I forget what's his name. Alex Murphy. Was yes. he, was the killing of Alex Murphy as traumatic for you as it was for me when I saw it? Like, I feel like I've it, spoken to other people. I've spoken to other people that as soon as I go, they start to like, they get like PTSD of Clarence Bodiger aiming that shotgun and just blowing off parts of Murphy's body. Like it was so gruesome. Did that leave an imprint on your psyche too? It definitely did. But in more recent years, I've, I've watched it and it is, uh, it's one of the funniest scenes in cinema Is history. Is it funny? Like, wow. Yeah, okay. now I can watch it. And because he just gets shot so many times <laughs> so many that it becomes times. comical. Like, there's a part, there's like the first, like, you know, 20 seconds. You're like, oh, wow, this is like super fucked up. Like, I can't believe this. But then once you hit that 20 second mark and he's just still getting shot, it becomes a fucking laugh riot. And the fact that it's red from that 70s show is even 
better. So like yes. I can't watch it even seriously now. It's like a, it's just a big fucking well, joke. See, I but, never watched that '70s show probably because I'm scared of Clarence Bodiger being in the cast. Like, to me, that's how the series terrified. finale ended. He just shot the whole cast. They were like, oh, <laughs> he just murdered for like an hour. Them. For it was an hour long series <laughs> finale, and everyone just shook. And like he takes so many bullets. I was like, this is laughable. Like. Why would anyone even keep shooting someone for that long? Like, it's a total waste of time. Like, they're also trying to, like, get away from the cops. Like, how do you have time to just keep sitting there and spraying bullets? Like, you stayed there way too long. You wasted so much ammunition. I have a lot of questions. You're very concerned. I'm very very concerned concerned about them making their getaway. But, I mean, like, (laughs) he he just was, yeah, really just shredded apart. Well, I'm glad that that scene, at least, it did stick out for you, too. Because I've spoken to other people who who were born in the early 80s who saw it when it was fresher. But still remember that, like, that scene leaves a special mark on you. The first time you see Murphy just slaughtered. Uh, It's just just so gruesome. To go full circle... Yeah. One thing I do very much remember that I think stuck out a lot more to me was when I saw, I guess, I think it was Terminator 2 and my dad was watching it and I was definitely way too young. So I I should not have been watching. I was in like grade school. And there's the part where he's like trying to prove that he's like synthetic and he just like cuts his arm. Right. With the knife to show show the rope part. And when I came in the room and I saw him his arm around and that stuck with me, I was like, Real yes, and he there. pulls the arm. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Think about it, and that was like that was like oh, like I, that ruined me. I cried <laughs> really yep. bad, and I left the room. <laughs> I was like, Dad, well, why are you watching this? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, people often ask themselves questions like, "Why are you watching this?" When they're watching a Sony Marvel production, whether it's <laughs> Venom One or that was Two. A good <laughs> Thank you. Uh, or Morbius. They often ask themselves, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> so uh, there's somebody who's tried to help us with our longing cries of anguish as we watch Sony Marvel's ventures. And that apparently is Kevin Feige, because there's a new report making the rounds, uh, according to Jeff Snyder, uh, that uh, Kevin Feige has actually acted as a bit of a consultant with Sony not necessarily in an official capacity, but he offers notes and he's apparently tried to caution them away from trying to build some kind of Avengers-like mini-universe on the side of what he's been building. And it doesn't seem like Sony's been listening to him at all. (laughs) But I just literally kind of wanted to call attention to that because I like the idea that Kevin Feige, the architect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hasn't it hasn't been lost on him that Sony is trying something ridiculous on the side of his massive achievement. And I love the idea that he's like, hey, uh, what are you doing? And don't do it. <laughs> you know, I like, like the, I, I imagine him just coming in and being like, don't step to me, motherfuckers. <laughs> don't step to me. I'm Kevin Feige. Okay. I'm Kevin Feige. Out. Yeah. <laughs> and he leaves. I mean, can we, I mean, and they should be listening. You know, there was a thing last month where they re-released Morbius based on some online notoriety and hashtag sort of stuff that had occurred. Because of memes that were like skewering yeah. the movie. And it bombed a second time. Uh, I mean, at this point, and and yet, yet we still keep hearing about casting announcements for other ones, for like Madam Webb and Dakota Fanning and stuff like I still don't know what they're thinking over there. I yeah. really well, we should also talk I, like they just finished wrapping on the uh, Craven the Hunter too. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that just finished wrapping, and then doing? some weird news came out too that in this version, Craven the Hunter is does uh, not hunt; he's an animal lover. And I, I'm not even joking. I think this like legit came out that they like bent the character completely away from like his so what he's he not is. a hunter and there's no spider-man this sounds like a craven movie to me so <laughs> i yeah i don't know what the fuck they're doing so yeah kevin feige definitely was probably like guys don't or at least he i think he it said like right in the article too someone said like he at least cautioned them like if you are gonna just still do it anyway like just don't do it too fast like you really gotta yeah. get your stuff in place and they're like no just fucking green light it green light it. let's do it like they're they're fucking dealing them out like they're dealing cards we're just gonna make all these movies about c and d list spider-man characters not have spider-man in them and we'll laugh all the way to the bank like i do i really don't get like you know man you know like 
they don't it honestly it makes it makes DC look like they know what they're doing. Um <laughs> like it literally does. Like at least like DC is at least like trying to put out movies with their characters. Maybe they're not yeah. landing with everybody. They're a little divisive, but like they're trying to put them out. Yeah, like you said, Sony's just like, can, who can we scrape from the bottom of the barrel, remove all context and things that people enjoy about the character from the comics, yeah. and just throw out into the fucking theaters? And th- apparently, they've been they've been finding a lot of stuff that they feel like they can do that with, and, and that is just stuff, wild. Honestly, like now I. I'm just starting to get angry <laughs> because I, <laughs> at a certain point I thought, okay, there must be some master plan that I'm not privy to. I know this Venom, I mean, this is a few years ago. I'm like, this Venom movie's coming. I know that after Avengers Endgame, I'm pretty sure Sony and Spider-Man are kind of going to go run off into their own corner. I knew that Spider-Man Far From Home was going to be the end of the Marvel Studios partnership. So I started trying to fill in the blanks. Like, okay, so I guess they're introducing Venom to eventually go against Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And that's where they're building all this to. But then that never came to fruition. So you have a whole Venom origin that has really nothing to do with Spider-Man. That's never been what Venom's been about. Venom has always been part of the Spider-Man lore. And to have right. him show up in a world like without any kind of Spider-Man-ness going on, and then to go into the Carnage storyline also without any kind of Spider-Man involvement, it just reeks of a greedy corporation trying to mooch off of this IP without actually having any kind of coherent plan in mind. And actually almost like it's all counterproductive because you have a Spider-Man, but you've leased him out to Marvel studios and you can't really use him with, it's just baffling and ridiculous. And you're kind of (laughs) right. It does make some of DC's troubles of the last six years seem a little bit more like, you know what? That's not so bad. You know, like yeah. Sony actually makes some of the DC stuff uh, a little more palatable, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but okay, so look, we're going to actually circle back now. We're going to circle back to the Superman and Lois finale because I didn't get a chance yes. to share any thoughts on that. So before we do, for those of you who don't watch that show and you're going to kind of disembark from here, uh, just a reminder that you could send questions and emails and thread uh, topics, ideas, and all that kind of stuff to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com. But for now, let's circle on back to Superman and Lois because Brett, um, I, <laughs> this is going <laughs> to sound really funny or whatever. It's going to sound whatever. But when I realized that Superman was going to save the day, in the finale. Cause I wasn't sure what they were going to do. Right. I really wasn't sure what they were going to do when it became that thing where like, I know who can stop her. Me. I did right there. And then they go to commercial. I, I, I see I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. And when Tal Rowe is flying him towards the sun <laughs> and from a distance, you could see the red Cape flying and you realize like what this would mean. That's always how I watch them. I put myself in the scenario of like right. what this would mean if I lived in this world to see because you know from far away it looks like Superman's flying again. Yeah, this is a world that's been without Superman for a little while now. So to see the red cape heading towards the sun that got me emotional. And then when he you know, when Tal pushed him into the sun and you see the agony he's going through, but it goes into his mind that he's having these quiet moments and he's not thinking about supermanly triumphs and times that there were parades in his honor and bad guys he killed and all that he's thinking about his family he's thinking about lois he's thinking about his kids he's thinking about those quiet things that get you through a life and that hit me so hard and he he went into like a quiet place he's in agony he's on the verge of death but he had faith and he had hope and he never gave up because that's what superman does he never gives up so seeing him do yeah. that and then come out and then you see him in all his glory, like glowing, like supercharged. Like yeah. I felt supercharged on the couch. It was like, oh, Ali, yeah. you done messed up this time. I was, I was Here pumped. Comes <laughs> Superman and he ain't messing around. Like yeah. I'm just like, I got giddy feels like I haven't felt in a theater or in a Superman thing since I was like a little boy. 
It Dude like went, throw me game. into the sun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he went into the sun and he comes out like fucking Super Saiyan. And, and then he, he like flies glowing. back down and he does like a fucking Mortal Kombat and just well, finish on that, the earth. Even before that, how badass is it? Where Because at first too, like, okay, he's glowing. And at first I thought, oh, now he's just super powerful. So she can't really hurt him. Yeah, that, that, that's the first way I interpret it, right? right? <laughs> then he gets to her. And she starts leeching off him. And it still wasn't clear to me what his plan was. I saw, I, I, I initially started going like, oh, no, she did this already. Now is she going to suck this power away? Like, what's going on? Right. But then he takes her hand and he says, have some more. And he yeah. puts her hand on the on his chest. And you see her become totally overwhelmed because she can't handle the full yeah. power of the sun. So <laughs> while she's like screaming and being overwhelmed... That's when he hits her with the thing and he yes. hits her into two. He hits her yeah, in the he chest splits her and splits, splits her into two separate entities yeah. because he's Superman. But and then he that, starts like, flying yeah. around, right? Then the, the freaking uh, the, the the homage to the Donner yes. thing with the spear, the the changing the sort of rotation for, for a second. I'm like, he's not gonna rewind time, is he? Like, I, I'm yeah. like, I appreciate the homage, but I hope they're not doing that. But no, he was doing something to make the square world and the circle world kind of rotate into like the same sort of axis. So now he could go do some crazy Superman punch into the ground and, you know, do, yeah. do his thing. But that whole sequence to me was everything. Getting to awesome. see Superman save the day in a fearless hope filled selfless sort of way i just that was that was unbelievable that was unbelievable and then yeah the little things i love the revelation you you hit on this last week without me but i want to circle back to it because i think it's a big one sure yeah, that he's not in the arrowverse sure that that that, that thing but Specifically, when General Lane specifies that, you know, I've seen things that you couldn't even imagine, the, the leagues of heroes who defend other worlds, we just have your father, and he's the best of them all. Like, that got me right in, like, this idea of, like, also, this world only has Superman, and I think powerful, you know, I think that this idea that he is the savior of this earth adds all this extra layer of like heft and weight and responsibility to this Superman. I think makes him a really special iteration of the character. Yeah. You know? Um, and beyond that, and there was one other thing on that before I move on from what general lane said, it's just something really struck me about this too, is the mission of Superman on earth, especially if you, if you go to like man of steel and the way Jor-El put it is being a symbol of hope. It's inspiring others, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I loved about these last three episodes of the season where he's powerless because you finally get to see people who were inspired by him stepping up and actually doing the, you know, doing yeah. the things that Superman can't do anymore. You know, like if part of the thing was about inspiring hope and getting humanity to step up and try to meet challenges and bring the best out of people. In these last three episodes, a powerless Superman was a great way to show the people around him stepping up. You know, so when it comes to that, like original mission of Superman to not just go and solve everyone's problems for them, but actually inspire them to be able to fix things themselves. I thought that was really cool to finally see in action. You know, so the whole powerless Superman element really had me gripped. And that was one of the reasons, too, why I, I wasn't sure if they were going to have him save the day. I kind of thought maybe we were building to something where it is more about those he inspired. You know what I thought that they had, were keeping in, in, in their back pocket for this? Remember how Lane and even the uh, the guy who replaced him, who I'm forgetting his name now. Um, yeah. They now. had that like Superman force of young, super powered people. Yes. With yes. On their chest. So I kind of thought maybe general lane, like that's going to be his backup card is that, you know, we're going to bring them back, but like, they won't be corrupted by stupid yeah. stuff anymore. Like they would just, they totally be... just dropped that, huh? Like did yeah, they, they did. Really I say anything about it. I feel like that just got dropped and there was like nothing else said about it. That's like, what, what I was thinking. I'm like, where are these yeah. super powered teenagers? I'm not sure where they ended up, but I kind of thought like, 
that maybe that's where they're going. Like Lane will bring them and Superman right. will lead them by example, but not with his abilities and they'll save the day. And you know, so I was kind of preparing myself for a finale that doesn't really have Superman front and center, so to speak. Sure. So when the finale revealed where they were going with that and the crazy way he was going to get his abilities back, like, oh, it was just unbelievable. But something that, and I know you were in a time crunch last week when you recorded, yeah. but something that I'd love to go into now also is what happened between John Henry and the daughter, because all those sequences to me uh, were just so beautiful and tragic all at once and poetic. But when she actually, okay. W when she's about to go leave to save him, by the way. Yes. Something hit me like a ton of bricks. And I don't know if it hit you this way, or if you noticed, if you made this connection sooner than I did, but it was not until this finale that I realized how strong of a sibling bond she and the two boys have, because even yeah. though it's a different Lois, these are all Lois Lane's kids. These right. are, you know what I mean? They are kind of are, they have the same mom, even though it's not the same mom. Because everything we know about the Lois on her world, she seems pretty damn similar to the Lois on our world. Just like a good, you know, um, pioneering reporter who cares about her family and goes into harm's way to get the story and help people. Right. Like it seemed like that Lois was very much the same Lois we have, which is what made her loss to John Henry and her so tragic. So all of a sudden when she's about to go save her father, she says that line to them about like, it was really nice having brothers that got me. And, and, yeah. and, and when I realized their dynamic there, I'm like, these are all three of them Lois's children. Yeah. And this is powerful. Like they are like half siblings and that bond. And look at the three of them. They're all heroic in their own way. You know, and and I just say for some reason that all gave me all the feels. Yeah, no, it and was then, very well done. It was very cool. And then the whole roller coaster ride of her going to find her father in that limbo determined to save him. Because remember, she gets the distress call, but she's not hearing all of it. But she's hearing little broken up right. things and something, something, escape pod. So she gets to him. She's so excited. She has the empty pod. She's there to save her father. And he goes, where's the ex-kryptonite? And she doesn't have it. And she didn't get that part of the message. Right. And he, as a father... Like he gets this information, but he can't be disappointed or mad. Right. He can't say, damn it, you screwed it up. You could tell he just like, well, it is what it is. And I'm here with you. And this is all that matters. And this is, you know, like, and, and th their closing moments when they thought they were on the brink of death, you know, could they, yes, they eventually get saved, but they didn't know that. And he's telling her to save her oxygen and just try to take in that they've done their best. And she says those words that every father wants to hear that I'm so proud to be your daughter. And all like, that was just yeah. so beautiful all and such like belongs in Superman's story. And I just, the writers of this series to me, they've given Superman fans such a gift of a series because there's so much heart, so much emotion, so much like th th there's, Stuff about the show that transcends the show that's just about good family values and being a good sure. person and being there for people. And I love that there's, I have a Superman show that gives me all the thrills and action and adventure of a Superman story, but all the heart and emotion of a really good Superman story, too. Some people for, focus on the spectacle, but not the heart. Or some people focus on the heart, but not the spectacle. This has both in spades, and that finale just... Mwah. I thought it was just a perfect end for this season. Right. Um, and then just, yeah, they, they teased a lot of interesting stuff, but Tal Rowe ending up in the bizarre small world, Smallville asking about his wife. I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, yeah. The intergang stuff. I mean, we'll get into that as we get closer. I'm really curious if that's where they're going to go with it. But uh, well, they, they certainly yeah. te teased it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. that was like the big tease. So Diggle. like, yeah. I'm completely clueless. Uh, do do you know about this intergang? <laughs> I, I I have I have a little bit of knowledge on that, but I, like I said, I w once we know exactly where they're going in season three, and we could preview it, I'll I'll give you a full dissertation on the intergang. Very good. But 
either way, like I, I love what they're doing with these villains though. How like, so they reinvent steel in season one where he seems like a villain at first. I mean, remember at first we thought he was Lex Luthor and yes. then we find out he's steel. And at first he's a villain, but then he ends up a hero. And then we have this half brother who ends up his the, the villain in season one. And then in season two, you have this whole new spin on Parasite. So I'm really curious like what they're going to be doing with Intergang and maybe what other types of characters from the past they're going to put a whole new, fresh sort of take on. I'm just, I'm blown away by Superman and Lois and the creative forces behind it. And I'm just so grateful. And I just needed to get back to that finale and talk about that stuff. Yeah. Did you have anything else that you wanted to chime in with a week of hindsight behind you? No, no, that was good. Cause like, yeah, I yeah. was crunched for time last time. So I kind of just hit like the big, just like yeah. epic moments, but I like yeah. that you were able to bring in some of like the softer moments during that episode yeah. that uh, I, I forgot to mention. I really enjoyed. So that was very good. Very good. And Tyler, Tyler Hecklin, man. That's He's so fucking good, man. And I'm with you with, with the new suit. With a new suit, I think he could be like the perfect Superman. And if they yeah. were to, if they were to somehow say that like he's going to cross over into like they'll make a movie about him, I wouldn't even be mad at it. I'd be so with it. With a better suit, I'd be so with it. Yeah, it's um, season three. I think you could do a suit refresh. Let's get a suit refresh. Yeah, listen, he built a new fortress. Maybe the new fortress has a new suit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And that's yeah, another I, thing too. That was one other last little thing that I, I yeah, yeah. too is the fortress, by the way, like when they showed his original fortress, it looked like an original take on it. It was there in the snow. It was a cave. It was, you know, it was kind of like right. its own unique form. This one that grew over the ocean, that's the Richard Donner fortress. Like with the crystal right. sphere, like it was exactly that. Yeah, so I was kind of like, that was another homage that I was not expecting. But uh, yeah, I'm really, I, I want to see what it looks like inside. And I want to see what the plan is too for bringing his mortal family to this fortress. Like I know that he, he, they're trying to say like moving forward, he wants to have his family be more involved. So it's less of like these separate lives that he's got. Right. But like, how does that work? Is he going to fly Lois to the fortress every weekend or like, I don't yeah. know. So it's going to be interesting. But uh, yeah, they, they gave us a lot to look forward to. They gave us a ton to enjoy and sink our teeth into, into this finale. So for me, through two seasons of Superman and Lois, I have been fed the best I've been fed as a Superman fan. Yeah. Like we're talking decades. So, right. <laughs> and by the way, I just real quickly, when it comes to your Kenobi thoughts, I honestly, I have nothing to add. You purpose, you, you perfectly summarized everything I would have said. I thought it was a phenomenal finale. It made up for any of kind of like the weaker points in the season. It even made up for the prequels. It even strengthened the prequels. So yeah. that's why the, the one the one thing I will add is that as we head into this phase that we've been in now, these last 10 years, where the expansion of IPs, the prequels, the spin-offs, the sequels, all the the all that sort of stuff, to me, the true test of whether or not any of this shit's worth it is if it actually makes the other stuff better. If it somehow right. improves what's already there, then it's worth it. If it's something there just to kind of expand on some stuff that we already knew about, then maybe you don't bother. I think that's the lesson right. they learned from Solo, a Star Wars story. You know, because it didn't really, like, you know, it didn't necessarily make anything better. It was just a cool Solo story, you know? And right. when it comes to Kenobi, the fact that, like, it actually enhances the prequels when you go back and watch it, which I haven't done yet, but I assume it enhances the prequels. Yeah. I want to do that. It even gives Leia's connection to Kenobi much more heft. Like you said last week, you know, it, there's going to be that whole thing now of when you watch episode four and she's asking for Obi-Wan Kenobi and saying, you're our only hope. Now, you know exactly why she feels that way. Right. So I love that Kenobi will make the prequels more gratifying and even add a little extra umph to episode four, the way Rogue One added some umph to episode four. Right. So, yeah, I love that if you're going to do a spinoff, a sequel, a, a prequel, any of this sort of stuff, it's got to in some way heighten or elevate the other stuff that it's in service of, then I think you're a okay in my book. And I think Kenobi did that in spades. So, yeah. Well, let yeah. me ask you this. 
Oh, yeah. So now we talked about this a few weeks ago yes. that they were talking about doing a season two of Kenobi. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. before we had the finale. Yes. So now after seeing that finale, what are your thoughts on them doing a season two? I'm a thousand percent with you that they cannot go back to the Vader well. And I know that's like a crazy thing to say because even the headlines about the sequel, it's like Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor would love season two. But it's like, but we don't want you back, Hayden. Not nothing personal. I I, yeah. I love Hayden. But I feel like to go back to that well now, it's gonna be the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. So I feel like if you're gonna do a season two, then you've gotta pivot to a different villain. And and at the same time, it's gotta be a story that's begging to be told. Because if it is right. just a filler story about a villain that comes and goes in one season then yeah. you really were just trying to cash in on this, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm nervous about, that they're just going to like, you know, what they'll, what they'll, what I feel like they'll probably do, because that this is what they've been doing now, is they will pull some, you know, fan favorite character from the Filoni-verse yeah. of the Clone Wars or something <laughs> yeah. that I'm not super familiar with, but, uh, you know, I still have to make my way through the Clone Wars. I watched like a chunk of episodes, but I'm like nowhere near, anywhere near finishing that. Um, you know, they're going to pull something like that, you know, and then just do like this continuing adventure of Obi-Wan and it's like it's just not going to have any kind of impact because we know nothing comes with it later on and you know they listen they they I can't stress enough I I said it before I'll say it again I think they nailed this finale they Mm -hmm. nailed absolutely nailed that Obi-Wan Vader encounter I mean so I I just like and that was the thing too like maybe if they didn't do that as well I could be like all right you can go back but they did it so good so it's like no it's just that you did it so yeah, it's and like, I, I smiled don't know for you, you by the way. Yeah. I smiled for you when yeah. the helmet was broken open and we saw Hayden's face, his burnt up face inside the helmet. I'm yeah. like, Brett is patting himself on the back so hard right now. When Obi ran and he jumped off the rock and flew at him and just cut the helmet. I was the second that happened, I was like, yeah, I fucking knew it. I was like, why else would you bring him back? You didn't bring him back just to do a fucking flashback scene. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, you yeah. did not bring him back just to do that. So nope. what what is why is he here? And then yep. they did it and the the voice and like just yeah, the and the symbolism the half of everything. Earl Jones, half Christian. Like he was still yeah. fighting and battling Ooh. there. And then finally, when he just says, I killed, you know, I killed Anakin Skywalker. And then he's just like, you just see, you McGregor is such a good actor. And yeah. you see on his face the despair and just pity and yeah. just absolute heartbreak that he mm-hmm. goes, Yeah, my, my friend is truly dead. Like, yeah, you know, and, and that, that helps episode four. Yeah. You know why? Because people were having issues with like uh, when Obi Wan says uh, he uh, he's been dead a Vader long time. Vader killed your father. Yeah. Vader killed your father. Now, bam! That's why he said that, and it's not just misdirection to Luke. He yeah. can actually say that and mean it. So again, I love that. I love that we can watch this and then go into Episode Four and have things be a little like even better now. You know? Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, can we also just like real quick because I want to hear your thoughts on it just more specifically. Sure. So how fucking cool was it when fucking Obi-Wan burst out of all the rocks that he was buried in, <laughs> then goes on this crazy attack against Vader, and then he just summons all the rocks <laughs> and yeah. just starts hurling them at him. And well, you I like I felt that uh, kudos to Deborah Chow and that entire team because I'm watching this feeling bad for Vader, like feeling really bad for him, pity, like watch him just take these fucking hits. And then when you and like no one else ever thought to do this, but Obi-Wan, you know, he keeps saying destroys all the electronics with the the back of the lightsaber. He's like, oh, it was just it was everything I've ever wanted. It was it was so fucking good. No, it was was one of those. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's one of those you're on the couch going, oh. It was almost yeah, like dude, I was Superman. losing my shit. I was yeah. losing like, my shit. For me, it was like when Superman was glowing with the yeah. power of the sun and heading towards Allie. And I'm like, ooh, you messed up. That's yeah. how I felt towards Vader. I'm like, oh, you awoke the Jedi of Jedis who's been like, he's he's been holding all this power in all this time. Yeah. And now you've given him an excuse to unleash the full force of it. I'm sorry, Darth. You know, like it was just... Awesome. You know what's a, a funny little thing too? I was watching like a YouTube video. Um, 
I, I don't know. It was just like highlighting like little Easter eggs and things. But uh, not that this is an Easter egg, but yeah, a funny little detail you might not realize, and that goes such a long way. Um, so obviously in the in the original uh, Star Wars films, they were using like basically like what like broomsticks or these little sticks that they would mm-hmm. in post add the lightsaber effect on. Yeah. So if you notice, there's never any reflections or glares of light on Darth Vader's helmet or body yeah. or anything like that. Because yeah. but now they actually use light up sticks, and then just oh, the wow. effect of yeah, so if you yeah, notice, yeah. you actually get to see the red lightsaber in Vader's yeah. actual like reflecting off I the helmet. So there's actually that. real reflections, but yeah. it just went so well uh, with this, especially like, you know, that fight being on this like dark gray planet yeah. and just yeah. all you seeing the blue and red light back and forth and back and forth and just the way it glowed on their feet. Like there was just some amazing just lighting this whole series that was just like it did so much and like just the battle again, the blue and the red, yeah. the blue and the red and like the, the turmoil, internal turmoil invader and, and like the voice switching and like just so much really See, good. Now you maybe just, want to go back and watch it again. You bastard. Yeah. You should just watch it again. It's, it's yeah. just tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. And uh, yep. yeah, I don't know, man. I, I absolutely loved it. So good. You know what else That's is tremendous? Good. This episode. Episode one fifty five. So, uh, everyone, we hope you enjoyed this return of the two of us here for episode 155. And we'll be back next week. And uh, we, we, we will try to get some episodes in the bank, too, in case we have to go away for anything. You'll still get something. Yes. We don't like leaving you a week without anything. So we're going to work better at, on that. But uh, listen, Brett, how can people find you if they want to yell at you on Twitter for all of your shitty takes? Yeah, if you, if you don't like that I'm okay with enjoying things and that I don't need to have just complete continuity everywhere, you can get at me at SuperBrecon on Twitter. Yes, and if you want to talk to me about Superman or my penchant for getting goosebumps and a lump in my throat when talking about him, you can find me on the Twitter at, at SupermanOnFilm. So uh, until next week, be kind. Stay fanboy. Adios.